welcome back to Gloucester Book Club's Book Lounge. I'm Christina Young and in tonight's podcast we'll be talking about Still Life by Sarah Winman. The story begins in 1944 with a fateful meeting in the Tuscan Hills between an ageing art historian, Evelyn Skinner, and a young globe maker and soldier, Ulysses Temper. It's an encounter that will shape the rest of their lives. The story spans four decades and moves from the hills of Tuscany and Florence to post-war London, then back to Florence. Ultimately, this book is about people. People brought together by love, war, art, flood, and the ghost of E.M. Forster, by the celebrated author of Tin Man, Sarah Winman. Joining me in the book lounge tonight are two of our book club members, Jenny and Joe. It's really nice to have you with me again this evening. Still Life by Sarah Winman. One of the books we read for book club only a couple of months ago now, so it should be fresh in your memories. So can I start off by asking you both what you thought about this book? Did you like it? Um, I found this book really, really easy to read. It was actually quite a joy to read. Um, it was action packed. The plot, um, I think there was a lot of quite a lot of characters, but it, did, it had a magical quality as well. I loved it. I absolutely loved it too. I really like Sarah Winman, really impressed by her writing. Ever since we read Tin Man a few years ago, she's a fantastic writer. She's got the ability to describe people so visually in your mind. And in fact, in, in the case of this book, I, I read it by Audible. So I listened to it basically as well as read the, the hard copy. And her, her training as an actress gives her the ability to turn a narration into a radio play. Mm. Think that you're listening to about half a dozen different characters, all with different voices and different ways of speaking. Very well done. The things that come, will come out in our discussion, I'm sure, will be in large part due to the way that she narrated it and told the story to us. Mm. Totally agree about the audio narration of the book. It it was brilliant. She did the voices, the different voices, incredibly well, didn't she? I thought, I mean, when in actually reading the book as well, I thought there was a lot of elegant prose in it. it. It made me think about the joy of friendships, you know, and the way those friendships become like family. It was a bit like a favourite soap opera, I think, when when I was listening to it. I felt totally involved with the characters. It's, it's, it's a novel about connections, isn't it? About the things that bind us together, whether we're biological or whether we've chosen them. It was somewhat whimsical. And um, and there was a believable, unbelievable parrot in it called Claude. It made me feel like I wanted to know her characters and to be sitting in a square in Florence with mm. them, watching them, having a drink of wine with them. You wanted to be with them and you wanted to be in their close circle of friends. And they were very loyal all the way through. The friends that kind of, um, you know, they, they never came and went. They were all steady all the way through, even though they were all very different characters. You know, it wasn't a particularly fast-paced novel, was it, really? It was one to sort of savour, I thought, and I found myself looking forward to listening to it and reading it. Oh, it was emotive. I was really sad when it ended. 
Yeah, I didn't want it to end. And I agree with Jenny that you feel that you want to be in the gang. Yes. Uh, if I felt left out, to be quite honest. I suppose the feeling that if, if you're part of that gang, you're loved by lots of different people. Mm-hmm. You're surrounded by a, a, a love and an embrace from all of them. Mm. There was something very comforting about this novel. I don't know, you know, if you, if you thought that too, but... I, I, you know, it kind of felt a bit like a, a nice warm blanket that you wrapped around yourself when you, you wanted to settle. And there was nothing really kind of very unpleasant in it, you know, to, to cope with. I think because there's a lot of unpleasant things around at the moment and we've read quite a few heavy books that have stayed with me. And also I have been to Florence and I think the book also just been, you know, lovely. It was also set in a place that I could visualise. And because some of the places are so familiar, it made me feel almost physically warm because it was sunnier and they were talking about food. It almost made me feel like I was back in Florence. And that that was a really nice feeling. Um, and it's quite funny. Obviously, it's very funny all the way through. But yeah, it was lovely. It was just nice. I, I liked them. Um, I could almost smell the food. Actually, I don't know if you could, Jenny, for coming through the book. When you go to Italy, you know, you're sort of surrounded by all that sort of stuff, aren't you? And it made me, it transported me back there. And like you say, I felt quite warm as well when I was reading it. And still life opens with this meeting between Ulysses and Evelyn. That meeting, in a way, shapes the rest of their lives. What, what did they each take away from that evening they spent together, do you think? I think what well, Evelyn was outside because she was a little bit tired of her companion. And it was in the war, I forget which year it was, but Ulysses happened to be in Italy during the war with his captain. Darling. Thank you. (laughs) And uh, they were very close. And basically, he just happened to be driving past. And she was there and she just jumped in and went off. And they Mm. also, wonderfully coincidentally, she happened to be an expert in art. And they actually went off where there was lots of art to be rescued from the um, from the war, or was it being recovered? I forget. But uh, And then, of course, he just had this wonderful evening with the three of them, mm. sort of talking about art. And I think they connected over the interpretation of the art, I think. But they just seemed to be, you know, straight away connected with each other. And if Evelyn kind of could tell the connection, you just see the sensitive side, I think she felt, and he was just overawed by her. So it's just an instant rapport and love, I suppose, for each other. And it was quite a, an interesting and perhaps unexpected connection between those two, really, wasn't it? Given that they were quite a long way apart in age, because Evelyn's in her mid-60s, I think, when she meets Ulysses, and he's a young man, he's a young soldier. Did that, did that work for you, Joe? that you know the fact that they were able to make that connection or did that feel like you know in real life it made that wouldn't have happened no it did work because of the way the the novel is focused on love and the the nature of different types of love um it was almost as if you're presented with a situation where two people happen to meet during their lives and they form a connection and a love that you're not going to get many chances like that in your life you meet mm-hmm. someone who you stay connected with forever and ever and ever. And that's not someone who's a romantic partner, but just a, the closest of all possible friends. Mm. Um, and that's beautifully um, portrayed by this connection between Ulysses and uh, Evelyn. 
Because he was one of the D-Day dodgers. So the, the army in Italy was the supposedly the ones who were not fighting properly because they weren't in the D-Day mm. landings, whereas they had to fight their way all the way up um, Italy from Sicily. Told very well, and I, I think the description of the going around rescuing works of art and so on was was beautiful, absolutely lovely. Yeah, because yeah, it is something that happened, but isn't really often talked about or mm. focused on. And it's so important if you, you know, if you have been to Italy or been anywhere, that the body of work of art, Renaissance art, is just huge. Yes. And it did make me think, gosh, what if that was all lost or it wasn't rescued? We'll talk later about the floods, won't we? But people from all over the world went to go and save the art. Mm. I yeah. That's a very human thing to do. It was really lovely. But let's let's flip back into London for a minute. So after the war, Ulysses goes back to London, which is his hometown, and um, he actually goes to stay in a pub called the Stoughton Parrot, which is a, a major gathering place for many of the characters that pop up in this novel. They That pub means something different to all of them, doesn't it? And how would you say that Ulysses, is, is he able to make that transition from being in Italy back into London very easily, would you say? I think he does. I mean, they're all his friends. The, the, the pub is, uh, it's remarkable how easily he seems to slip into his former life. The pub is like a family home and, and, and as a group of friends, they are almost a family. But a constant theme throughout the book, the, the familial love of this group of, of loyal friends who've been together forever. It's a bit like going back onto um, the set of EastEnders, something like that. So <laughs> yeah. I, I picture the stone parrot as yeah. the Vic in the senders. Yeah, I Seem agree. To everybody else. Um, <laughs> it was a different time, but possibly it was, it would have been so scary, um, you know, before internet or, or anything like that. Um, it would have been very different. But I think because he had been to Florence, I think that would have been so much easier. I think it would have been harder for the other people. Mm. He'd already been there. And I think he kind of, had left a little bit of his heart in Florence. So I think it was, I would have done the same. I think if I'd been there already, I would have gone at a, with no question. Do you think he left his, a bit of his heart with Captain Darnley in Florence then? Yeah, because it was, yeah. um, he just had this deep connection with him and he would do anything for him. And also, of course, he met Evelyn and learned a little bit about art. Further on in the book, he actually got really into art, didn't he? which maybe that would have happened if he hadn't been in the war. And he also realised when he came back to um, London that his um, hopes he might have had at any point with regard to Peg were uh, gone. And he was never going to um, get together with Peg again. They were never really together properly in the first place, were they? She wants a divorce and he goes along with it almost robotically. Um, I agree with Jen that um, his his love for Captain Darnley is left in Italy, mm. and that's that's quite a call to go back to that. I don't know whether I would have gone, but I, I would like to I like to think I would have been brave enough to go. He didn't go on his own, did he? He, he no. took his stepdaughter with him, and also his old friend Cressy mm. also goes along for the ride. So I think that, that probably did make it easier for him, didn't it? That he wasn't just doing it entirely on his own. He was taking important people with him. 
Don't forget the parrot. And don't forget the parrot, yeah. <laughs> don't forget the really important Claude. Um, he, for, for the listeners out there who haven't read the book, Claude is a is an amazingly verbal parrot. You know, he, he seems to quote Shakespeare off the uh, top of his beak. And um, we can't quite work out how he's managed to learn these quotes, but he's very clever, this bird. And he goes he everywhere with them. Powers, doesn't he? He's got quite a few powers. He does. And I, you expressed how he wanted his, where his ashes to be scattered, which I thought was interesting. Yeah, um, he's one of the cleverest birds I've ever come across. Um, we talked a little bit about Alice, who's his stepdaughter who goes along with him, and she is Peg's daughter. How is mothering and motherhood represented throughout the book, particularly with Alice? And she's cared for by Ulysses and Cress. And how does that sort of different, if you like, upbringing in Florence impact her as well? I think from the outside, it all seemed fine. And then later on, of course, she did develop a better relationship with her mother. And then you realise that she had actually missed that. She had been craving that kind of female um, parent. Um, but when she was with the, the male, um, I suppose, family, um, she just seemed to be one of the gang, I think. Mm. Yeah. It reminds me of um, John Lennon's song, Mother, because he famously had a... Uh, basically didn't have a proper relationship with his mother at all mm. his his mother figure was his aunt Mimi mm. and he says in that song mother you had me but I never had you mm. and that's kind yeah. of the situation that Alice was in why did why was Peg so sort of okay about Alice going do you think was it that she felt that Ulysses could offer Alice a better life than she could and that in fact Alice seemed to have a much closer relationship with Ulysses than she did with her. With the soldier. And then, of course, he said, I'd come back for you, and he never did. Yeah. I think just kind of left her in limbo and in grief, really. I think the Alice looked like him as well. Uh, but I think maybe she saw Ulysses was doing a great job, if you like, and, and interested. And I think, uh, uh, I don't know what's wrong with her, because then she went on to marry a bit of a... Abandoned, but I think she just felt a bit abandoned, I think, and yeah. um, never really got over that. It was a complicated relationship between Ulysses and Peg, wasn't it? Yeah. It, was, it was not straightforward in any sense of the, of, the, uh, of the word, because when they did meet up, which was maybe, you know, after a few years, they, got, they would get back together for a brief amount of time where they had a sexual relationship and stuff going on again. But they both knew that nothing could come of it, you mm. know, that it was only ever going to be that and that they would part company again and they would both go back to their former, you know, lives. Well, it was a little, that was slightly far fetched, I felt. I mean, this mm. is a very book. Um, but that one I thought, really, would that really happen? And, um, you know, Ulysses did kind of have a, a flame for another lady. And then, of course, he had a very, very close relationship with an openly gay man. Uh, but that, you, because at one point I wondered if that would develop, but that mm. never did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I wasn't really convinced, though, that they would just get together like that and then have a sexual, you know, liaison and then just um, separate. I thought that was quite strange. 
So it, we got, you know, obviously nature um, in this book, and I'm thinking particularly of some examples with Cressy's connection with the trees and and the devastation of the flood and how they form the shape the larger narrative really of the book. Did you like the way that 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 happened? I mean, I was really surprised, and I imagine that you too might have been as well about this flood that happened in Florence because I had no idea. Yeah. Um, Joe, what do we learn about the flood? Well, what I learned was that basically the description of the flood in 1966, so it's the same year as the World Cup mm. and the same year as Aberfan, um, the way it's described in still life is as good a description as you could ever get. Mm. I couldn't find anything that anywhere that described it better in terms of the facts and how, how devastating it was. Mm. And in relation to the international response, where all these kids, students and young people flooding they were, to Florence to help. The mud angels, as they call them, Angeli del Fango, mm. uh, it is beautifully described, but very well described in the book. Yeah, did you know anything about the floods at all, Jen? No, no, I, I didn't know it. And I did find it, you're talking about the description, mm. it was a bit too good. Was I hadn't really thought about raw sewage and everything like that, flooding and mixing in. It yeah. was really quite violent and really quite upsetting. And I imagine there was a fair amount of loss of life in that flood. Do you know, Joe, if there was? Yeah, over 100 people died. Mm. Oh. Yeah. I mean, actually, that doesn't seem so many, really, when you consider how many people die in floods in more remote parts of the world. Mm. So if you think about floods in, in Asia, places like that. Yeah. Because he helped, um, was it the neighbour? He helped carry everything upstairs. Mm. So he managed to empty empty out the basement, I think, possibly the cafe. Yeah. I'm forgetting. Yeah. So they did manage. And then at the last minute, then, of course, he made his trek across town to his studio um, yeah. to try and some stuff come a bit out of control, I think. I mean, art's a big part of the book, isn't it? Especially specifically really renaissance art it's a major part of the novel um ulysses and evelyn's lives in particular are inspired and shaped by art um what about you two did you have a favorite work of art that has impacted you at all i've been thinking about this all day all i can think is uh, arthur rackham i think in the you know, the, the fairies and the kind of Art Nouveau style of art, because, of course, it was in a storybook I had as a kid. Yeah. But I have those. I have actually one of them on my wall, Princess and the Pea, and I have all Art Deco stuff in my house. I just love it. Any Macintosh. But it, it's not so much one piece. It's just that kind of illustration, quite ornate and heavy. I just fell in love with it straight away. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, nothing, nothing quite as grand as this book, I'm afraid. No. What about you, Joe? Well, I'm not really a Renaissance art fan. I do like art. I love modern art in particular. Mm -hmm. uh, Renaissance art is about as far from the sort of art I like, to be honest. I'm a big fan of people like Vasily Kandinsky and more modern artists, yeah. abstract artists. I like to have my brain tested what's going on here and see what I can picture is going on. Whereas mm -hmm. the Renaissance art is a little bit more 
here it is. This is a story. They're all biblical stories. This is Jesus being taken down from the cross, etc. Mm. It's always that sort of thing. Mm. Um, I mean, for its type, it's beautiful, obviously. And people like Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo, uh, you know, it would be lovely to go see their major works, but it's not my favourite. Not your so much your thing, no. Mm. So, I mean, we've got Evelyn and Ulysses and they have that initial meeting, don't they, where they spend hours together talking about art right at the beginning of the book. And then for decades after that, they have this numerous kind of near misses where they almost could bump into each other or meet each other, but they didn't. You know, they, they were in similar places at similar times, but they never coincided. Mm. Um, what did you think about that as well? When she used that sort of thing in the book, you know, was that matter of fate that they didn't meet up or was that just due to sheer coincidence that they didn't well she you know even did go back to Florence a lot because that was her you know stamping ground and that was her favorite place so that wasn't much a coincidence mm -hmm. but when, that, when those you know close shaves happened and actually when even met um you know Alice without realizing it I was turning the pages very quickly, or listening very quickly, rather, because I listened to it. I could not stop listening at those points mm -hmm. because it's, it's like, you know, the keep going, will they, will they, will they, will they? And uh, that happened quite a lot throughout the book, didn't it? And it I did. think we said in the book club, I'm amazed that she was still, luckily, she lived to a right old age by the time they met. She was about, she was in the 90s, wasn't she, when they, when they did a, a meet-up? You're doing very well in life anyway. So what about you, Joe? Did you do you find that sort of near miss stuff did that work for you? Um, well it did work. And I agree with Jen. It was exciting listening to those episodes. I don't know about coincidence and fate. I mean, is there is there much difference? It's, it's very hard to to say what is something that happens from fate. Fate implies predetermination. Mm -hmm. Something's been the die's been cast by the gods somewhere. What's going to happen to you? Well, there is a lot to that. But on the other hand, this racing along the the railway platform to catch up with the train, for example, and not quite making it, yeah. all that mm -hmm. sort of stuff was a little bit too much deliberate excitement to keep us hooked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it did work, didn't it, for that yeah. for that very reason? So we've got love in all its forms. Really, is a major theme, as we've already said in still life. What types of love are we talking about here, though? We're talking about love in all its forms, but what do we mean by that? You know, is it familial, romantic, platonic, unconditional love, all of those? Yes, I think, so the character Peg, I think tested everybody's patience, but everyone was absolutely loyal to her and supported her all the way through, didn't question anything about it, just had faith in yeah. her. And she came back and recovered, didn't she, after a difficult time? But yeah, you're right. I mean, Chris was an interesting character. That he was, I think I thought he was older than he was. I was a bit confused about his age at first. Kind of an eccentric, I suppose. And moving into Florence, I think, suited him. In London, I think he was just a bit of a chap that hung around the pub and was a little bit odd. But in yeah. Florence, he seemed to really come into himself. And then he found love, which I was, I thought, I didn't see that coming, actually. But he was kind of the, the quirky character that you couldn't help but love, I think. What do you think is next for these characters? I mean, we've got Ulysses and Peg. What about those two? Uh, we've got Alice. We've got 
We've got Cole, who we haven't mentioned, who was the landlord of the pub in in the in London. Cressy, we kind of know. We won't give any spoilers away, but we do know what happens with Cressy. But what do you think is next for those other characters? How's life going to pan out for them? I think they're mostly going to carry on with their family or gang, if you, call it, if you like, arrangement for the rest of their lives. I mean, it is all about love, and love is overarching the whole thing. And love doesn't mean sex or romantic love. Love is just love. Mm. And whether whether it's familial or whether it's platonic, however you want to describe it, it's just something that binds people together, makes them want to be together and do things together. Do you mm. see Ulysses having a, you know, a sexual or a relationship with another woman as his life goes on? Or is he just going to carry on being pretty much on his own? No, I found, I mean, he was a great character. He was a little bit too good to be true, I think. But it was a very too good to be true book. Mm. So that I knew it. I don't know. I can't, I couldn't predict that. Just like I didn't see Crest um, having a romantic. The Cole character, the landlord, that was quite funny because yeah. he went romantic liaison to Reno and then actually ended up with somebody who was very, very different to yes, him. Yes, he did. Yeah. yeah. Then, of course, you had the special needs daughter, didn't you, and her relationship. And when uh, she found herself in a, in a family way, it turned out actually she was quite happy she hadn't been taken advantage of. But it wrapped up beautifully. I thought the story, I kept, I did keep thinking it was going to end and then it carried on. Yeah. Uh, in, in the book club, we said Evelyn, the, the bit about Evelyn that we all wanted to know more about was stuck on at the very end. Yes. Um, but that was brilliant. And that did tie up a few little things that had been hinted at. Would you have liked that earlier in the book, though, Jen? Would you have liked that more at the beginning? I don't know. I listened to to when we had our book club, and I thought, yes, that's true. But I thought it was actually we we got to know her, you know, really well at the end, and it was kind of a little bit name dropping because it was just talking about uh, where she had been um, when kind of um, certain groups were starting. You know, she was in the midst of quite a lot that was uh, historically quite significant. I mean, she, she's got connections to the Bloomsbury group, uh, was a spy. I mean, she's a, a, you know, a, a woman of mystery. Of course, it referred to a room with a view, didn't it? So to sum up, is this a good book for a book club? Definitely. I think, it's, I think it is one of the best books we've ever read. Gosh, there's an accolade. Well, Joe, you absolutely love Tin Man. Yeah, I did. I mean, I would put it, Almost as good as Tin Man, mm. and that, that's the highest accolade I could give anything. <laughs> what about you, Jen? Is it a good one for book clubs? Yeah, I mean, there's lots to talk about, but there wasn't anything particularly gritty. Oh, no, that, that's not fair. But you know, some of the books we read are really, really quite heavy. This, it, even though it had difficult themes, everything all worked out in the end mm. because you had this wonderful friendship group around you. Nobody was ever alone and nothing really awful happened that couldn't be put right or didn't, you know, they miraculously met somebody who was a multimillionaire. That was handy. It's <laughs> a bit of a feel-good book, isn't it, this one? I'd read one of her books before, When God Was a Rabbit. So I suddenly realised this is why the parrot was so strange, that she is quite magical. It was a lovely book to read about a book club. It was a good chat, but sometimes I like a bit something a bit meatier. Okay, well, on that note, 
I'd like to thank you, Joe and Jenny, for joining me tonight. In next mm -hmm. month's podcast, we'll be discussing the Brooker Prize longlisted novel, A Town Called Solace by Mary Lawson. So I hope you listeners will all come back and join us then. For now, goodbye. Thank you for listening to Gloucester Book Club's podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor FM, Google and Apple Podcasts and many more. We look forward to having you join us again soon.